Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, I'm Blair Bathory, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Whether this is your first time or you are one of the brave souls who join us every week. Whether you communicate via text, email, or phone, There are endless possibilities to communicate with one another, but sometimes it's the things that aren't said out loud that are the most important. Sometimes it's the subtext or what we hear in the silence that can warn us when something bad is lurking or when our life is in danger. And if you ignore those signs, then you might end up dead. First, suffer in silence followed by don't ignore the call, then a deadly sacrifice. Finally, in our featured story, the silence will kill you. So, wanna hear something scary? The Silent Ones. We all have those days where you just don't feel like getting up, but what's really keeping you down? Find out in this story, written by one of our incredible featured writers for Black History Month, Jerry Juhegu. Claire, come here, a feminine voice called out. Claire took a swig of the remaining corner of her drink. Her living room was eclipsed by the sounds of her rattling against the window panes of the living room. The conversations from earlier in the day were festering on her heart and mind as the faint sounds of her mother's television offered the white noise of forensic files in the background. For Claire, the world had not yet begun to spin, but it was coming. The mixture of drinks and fatigue wasn't a good one, and it's often a crapshoot with 50-50 odds when it's a party for one. However, Claire just wanted to be whisked away from the sense of overwhelm overtaking her. The black cat, Mabel, looked up at Claire, waiting for a response to what sounded like Claire's mother. Mabel wrapped her tail around Claire's ankle in anticipation of being stroked. 
Instead, Claire shrugged and examined her glass, wishing it was a fresh drink. Everything was kicking in, with her fading in the background. Eventually, it all became white noise, but there was something else in the silence. It sounded like a child laughing, but Claire knew there was no child. She asked herself, is this a visitation of spirit or did I have too many spirits? The truth was not readily apparent. The hairs on her arms and the back of her neck stood up. Then she thought, what's wrong with me? I've got to pull it together. Reason set in as she took a deep breath to settle. Through her drawn curtains, she saw the lights of a passing car speeding around the bend. Normally, it would enrage Claire, but this time the sound was grounding as it broke the deafening silence of feeling alone. Her mom was just in the other room, bedridden and always waiting. Mom was never the issue, but rather the back pain from Claire's recent car accident. There was no reprieve. Claire's mind was starting to ruminate on the next steps for her dearest mom. The medical voices clamored. Claire took a big gulp and felt the heat rise from her throat up through her face. The voices quieted. Mabel simply stared up at her. Don't judge me. Claire didn't want anyone to want anything from her. Nada, nothing, no comprende, if they asked. Claire, where are you? Claire sat thinking, am I horrible for not answering? She wasn't on caregiver autopilot tonight. Weary, she closed her eyes and pictured her ex-boyfriend, 6'6", green eyes, built like Adonis, with a pearly white smile and shimmering bronze skin. He looked like a god and his narcissism made him want to be treated as such. Christmas was coming, but sugar plums were not dancing in her head. Claire's inside voice decided to speak up. Come on, let's get on with it. Claire sat straight up in her chair. Mabel took a few steps back, focused, ready for a rub. Mabel couldn't read the room and it wasn't worth the obligatory try. So she waited. Then, kind of like magic, a shadow emerged from the corner. This time, Claire believed she was seeing a little boy wearing a pair of Oshkosh overalls. He was playing with sand, but Claire knew there was no sand in the corner. As she fixated on the apparition of the child, the dark shadow spread out across the ceiling above her. As her gaze followed the shadow, Claire felt a not-so-gentle push. It took her by surprise, and she leaned back in her chair. Now the shadowy figure was pressed against her. Now Claire understood this aura of dense blackness had come for her. And even though Claire thought she was on the brink of oblivion, she snapped out of it, set her glass down and rolled onto the floor. She scooted back from the chair and the shadowy figure pushed the chair across the room. Claire wasn't hallucinating, and if she wanted to be sure, all she had to do was look down the hall where Mabel scurried off to hide. Claire steadied herself, and a gasp from the corner boy made her freeze. The shadowy figure reoriented and was encroaching, preparing to overtake Claire. This certainly was not any version of Casper the friendly ghost. It's more like the one who shall not be named. The figure lunged at Claire, but this time she was ready. She quickly grabbed her silver letter opener from the coffee table and held it in front of her heart. 
As the dark air met the blade, the smell of sulfur filled the room as thousands of tiny whispers of air dispersed outward. Despite the shadow darkness veiling it, the figure cried out. It sounded like the wailing of mom, but then Claire realized it hadn't been her mom calling. It was this creature cloaked and shrouded in tattered wisp of grave cloth. As the cloak of darkness fell, a dark benign ghostly woman materialized, unconscious and splayed across the dark hardwood floor. Claire thought, what manner of mystics is this? And as she turned to the corner, the boy once in Oshkosh overalls was now only a beam of light. Claire had released him from this midnight wailing washerwoman, this goddess of death and slaughter that held him on this plane as her own. The young boy ascended through her drawn drapes and into the night sky. With that, Claire knew she was stronger than the overwhelm and the despair. She would not be victim to the wailing washerwoman or shrouded in the grave cloth of a displaced life. Renewed, Claire stepped over the disintegrating creature as she cracked her neck and went about the business of checking on her mother. Have you ever felt like there were extenuating circumstances that were making you suffer or fail? Did you have a suspicion it was something supernatural or something bigger than yourself? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sometimes our intuition can be confused with things like being hungry or tired. But if you can really listen to your gut, 
you might be able to save a life. Like in this story inspired by Ayla. It was dark as mom and I drove down the interstate, headed to visit family in North Carolina. Despite having driven that route dozens of times, this time I had a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach that something terrible was going to happen. Typically, I'll sleep through the night on the drive, but I just couldn't settle. My mom asked what was wrong, so I told her I was feeling off. I was hoping she would tell me everything would be fine. Don't worry. That's what a lot of mothers would do. But my mother is Wiccan, and although she doesn't possess any real intuition like my grandmother, she is hopeful I will. So when I told her, she said that I should trust my gut. I should keep a lookout and pay attention to what the Earth's energy was trying to tell me. Obviously, there was no chance I was going to sleep after that. I was wide-eyed, looking out the window, gazing at the stars. As we drove, my sense of unrest grew, and I felt more on edge. It's as if I wanted to drive through that area as fast as possible. It's, of course, the same time the dog started to bark and needed a pee break. Against every intuition I had, we pulled over at the rest stop that was up ahead. After we all took a bathroom break, my mom took the dogs for a quick walk around the area. So I stood outside and on the precipice of the woods to watch the stars. They had never been that clear before. Then, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed a certain spot in the wood line just a few yards away. The area didn't have much light pollution, just enough to illuminate enough so you could see in front of you. The place I was staring at had two trees, no more than a foot separating them. I had no idea why, but it felt like I'd be doing something illegal if I walked away. I felt an invisible force pulling me toward an unknown spot in the woods. I started to think I was being paranoid because I was always bringing scary movies. But the more I stared at the spot, the more it called me to it. Like a silent voice was beckoning me into the woods, trying to tell me something. I attempted to distract myself by looking up at the stars. I noticed the Orion constellation directly above the trees. Whenever I'm outside on a clear night and see the stars, Orion's usually right above me. Another sign I was supposed to be in those trees. But why? I pulled my gaze away from the sky and back toward that same spot. In the silence, something called to me. I began to walk toward the trees. Every step I took toward the woods, the pull grew stronger. Then a hand grabbed me and I screamed. What's wrong with you? My mother asked as she pulled me away from the woods toward the parking lot. She said it was time to go and we still had quite the drive ahead. I was shaken and we piled back into the car. I quickly noted the location in my maps. Something there spoke to me and I didn't know what, but I felt in my gut that maybe one day I would be back. We got on the road and the further we drove, the less I felt the pool. That silent voice calling to me. It made me question if what I'd felt was even real. I eventually drifted off to sleep and woke up at my family's house. We were there for two days when one night, everyone gathered around the TV watching breaking news. The body of a young woman had been found dead in McKinney, Virginia. Didn't you drive right by there? My aunt asked. We did, 
As I watched, the studio showed footage of the exact rest stop we had been at. They said they found the body hidden between two trees on the wood line. My heart sank. All I could think about was it must have been that woman who was calling to me. I was devastated, but also relieved to learn she was dead when her body had been hidden, so there was no way I could have saved her. But it haunts me to this day that maybe, just maybe, I could have communicated with her to find out what happened. Are you someone who possesses the gift of communicating with the dead? Or speaking to things that are otherworldly? Tell us your story by emailing somethingscary at snarled.com. If you're fascinated by the darker sides of humanity, join us every week on our podcast, Serial Killers, where we go deep into notorious true crime cases. With significant research and careful analysis, we examine the psyche of a killer, their motives and targets, and law enforcement's pursuit to stop their spree. Follow Serial Killers wherever you get your podcasts and get new episodes every Monday. Our pets are always sending us signs as signals trying to communicate. Sometimes, when we don't understand them, it's deadly. Like in this story, inspired by Emily. Three years ago, I finally realized my ideal life. I got a remote job so I could travel solo. Well, me plus my dog. A blue chihuahua named Rocky. We drove around in a refurbished van and I was loving every minute of it. When I decided to visit Idaho, my dreams turned into a nightmare. At first, I was ecstatic. I'd be staying at Alice Lake. I could make it there by sunset if I left at sunrise. At 7 a.m., I fed Rocky and we hit the road. I was listening to music already on the highway when I heard a loud bang. I gasped and slowed to a stop. I checked on Rocky, who was clipped to the seat next to me, by his leash. His ears were perked up. He heard it too, so I knew I was not going crazy due to my high caffeine intake or lack of sleep. I put on my jacket and stepped out of the driver's side door. The cold air hit me like a baseball bat, causing me to shiver. It was about 20 degrees outside and silent. It was eerie that no noise cut through thick, damp air. I checked and found a nail in the front passenger's side tire. Damn it, I yelled into the silence. My voice trapped just inches in front of me. I didn't have a spare. I used it a couple of weeks back on a rocky road in Wyoming and never replaced it. I stumbled around the car until I found some service, then called AAA. They said they would be there in about eight to 10 hours. What could I do? It sucked, but... All I could do was wait. Shortly after I noticed the beautiful sunrise, the bright pink and orange filling the sky with hints of gold, I decided to make the most of it and take Rocky out for a break. He wandered about while I set up my tripod to get some pics for the gram. We stayed out for about 10 minutes, and that was all we could take outside without setting up fire and a full camp for comfort. 
In the van, I was flipping through pics when out of the corner of my eye, I saw a large, dark figure moving in the bushes. I couldn't see what it was because the bright morning sun was piercing my eyes. I got chills down my back, but I shook it off, blaming the cold and just locked the doors. What I couldn't shake was that Rocky seemed on edge and I started to wonder if he was sick or if he saw the strange shadow too. While I was digging around for his lightning jacket to calm him down, I found a fix-a-flat spray. It would ultimately ruin the tire, but I could at least make it to Lake Alice without having to wait for AAA all day. The spray worked and we finally arrived at camp well past sundown, and I was exhausted. Rocky seemed to be nervous and wouldn't even get out to pee, but we'd never arrived somewhere that late or that quiet. He was very alert as if he was listening for something that wasn't there. He would just stare into the darkness of the bushes. Thankfully, he was not just a barker, which I was very grateful for. I shined the flashlight where he was staring and saw a shadowy figure crouched down about 20 feet away. I was horrified. It was huge, a beast I had never seen before. I took out my bear spray and hoped whatever it was didn't come nosing up to the van. I just needed a little sleep that we would leave at first light. I ate dinner and fed Rocky, now understanding his paranoia. I kept checking my phone as if somehow I would magically have service and looking out the windows into the night. It dawned on me, if something happened, there was nobody I could call, nobody who would know what happened. I was not at a campground either. I was at a private rented camp lot away from civilization. I love traveling solo, but in that moment, I thought, what the hell am I doing? I was too tired to drive. I just needed a little rest, then I could leave. I fell asleep quickly with Rocky curled up close to me. I woke to a bark, then another. I was in a daze and alarmed. Rocky never barked. The hairs on the back of my neck and arms stood up, even though I wasn't cold. I quickly checked the time, 3.16 a.m. I got up, my dizziness fading, and I popped out of the van with the bear spray. I froze as I saw the same shadowy face now much closer. It was wrinkled with grayish skin hanging off its bones. A sinister smile spread from ear to ear, hitch black eyes staring. I sprayed it in the face and it grabbed my wrist and twisted me to the ground. Writhing in pain, I heard Rocky going crazy. The noise distracted it and I slammed the back of the door shut and ran to the front. I started the car with blood dripping down my arm from the long claws that pierced my skin. I called for Rocky with my driver's side door held open. I screamed for him until I didn't hear his bark anymore. With tears streaming down my face, I drove as fast as I could. Rocky saved me. I didn't stop driving until I stopped at a gas station. I ran inside and asked for the guy behind the counter to call 911. I told them everything and he wasn't surprised, but he said no one could do anything about it. Around there, they know of the strange things happening at Alice Lake, but they're always deemed some kind of animal attack no one would believe otherwise because he said the monster in the woods needs to get fed.
so it stays in the woods. Has a pet of yours ever intervened to save your life or protect you? Has your pet ever been the one who was able to sense something non-human? Did you believe your pet? Or did you chalk it up to the zoomies? In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of the silent twins written by Janine Pipe and animated over on youtube.com slash snarled. They say a soulmate is one soul split in two different bodies, but if they're really soulmates, would one die without the other? And what happens to the survivor, especially if they've only ever really known being one half of a pair? Miss Gibbons sat watching her twin daughters play. She desperately wanted to know what they were saying, but June and Jennifer had a sisterly bond so strong they had invented their own language. It was a language that only they could understand. Although she didn't understand the words, it appeared Jennifer was the boss, leading their games and such. Since the girls were unwilling to participate in class, the girls struggled at school. In their hometown in Wales, they were the only non-white children and they suffered relentless bullying due to their differences. Before long, they became known as the Silent Twins. Soon, they refused to engage with anyone else at all, becoming isolated and inseparable, and even mirroring each other's behavior. It became harder to tell them apart. It was as if their personalities were interchangeable. One day, a twin would appear as June. The next day, she would appear as Jennifer. Before long, a school nurse referred them for a psychiatric review and they were being sent to separate boarding schools. But instead of helping them to establish independence without each other, the twins withdrew further into themselves. Staff at the schools would have to drag the girls from their beds. Without each other, they didn't communicate with anyone else at all. Realizing that being separated was making things worse, the twins were sent home. This time, Miss Gibbons watched her teens filling the pages of notebooks with stories and diary entries. When they ran out of paper, they began scribbling all over their bedroom walls. Along with their creativity, they also started to exhibit some undesirable behavior. The twins committed several petty crimes. This escalated to arson, and once again, June and Jennifer found themselves under their psychological assessments. This time, they were deemed unsafe to themselves and society, and were committed to Boardmore, a maximum security psychiatric facility. Boardmore was filled with dangerous criminals, housing some of the UK's most evil criminals. They remained in prison for several years, administered many different drugs and treatments with varying side effects, trying to break their silence. At some point during their time in the facility, the twins, now young women, decided that in order for one of them to be able to live a full life, the other must die. Marjorie Wallace was visiting with the twins just before they became eligible to transfer to a lower security facility back in their hometown. She was a reporter and one of very few people they actually conversed with. During this particular meeting, Jennifer told her, Marjorie, I'm going to have to die. We have decided. Of course, Miss Wallace was unsettled by this, particularly by how calm and determined the twins seemed despite this revelation. She reported it to the medical staff, but they were not concerned since the twins were supervised have not proven to be risk of harm to themselves. 
The day they were set to travel to Wales, Jennifer leaned her head onto June's shoulder and fell into a coma and passed away quietly. Doctors ruled it as a heart attack, despite no medical history of a heart condition and no toxins found in her body during the autopsy. She was only 29. It seemed a pact had been made and one life indeed faded, finally allowing the other to thrive. The diaries that the twins had kept revealed they might not have been as close as originally perceived. June believed Jennifer was a dark shadow constantly possessing her. Despite their apparent bond and instance on only communicating with each other, June was fearful of Jennifer. According to the entries, she was the dominant sister often feeling disdain for June. After Jennifer's death, June kept her part of the bargain. She became fully cooperative and was subsequently released from hospital and put back into her community where she continued to do well and still lives today. Has she really been possessed by her domineering twin while she was still alive? Had Jennifer truly willed herself to die despite a lifetime of domineering June? The truth behind the silent twins remains a mystery. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Calvin Linderman. Additional audio editing by Fitz Harris. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>